Broncos All-Decade Tackle Orlando Franklin. Two-time All-Pro linebacker Chad Brown. Former Broncos tight end and New York Times best-selling author Nate Jackson. 104.3 The Fan welcomes you into the Players Club. Hour number two on the Players Club. I hope you're taking notes. There will be a test at the end of this, okay? And, 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 and I'm going to ask you to pass it in. You remember when, like, when you were in school when you were in, and you had a quiz that day or whatever, and then the teacher forgot to do the quiz, but then there was that one kid in the class, like, towards the end of class, was like, Mrs. Johnson, aren't we going to do the quiz? <laughs> you remember that? Oh, uh, man. Not, a, not at my school's. <laughs> I've heard of that. Not in my school's name. <laughs> Aren't you going to collect the homework, Mrs. Johnson? You forgot to collect the homework. Mm. We would all court in the hallway before going to class. Uh, they yeah, they would know not to do anything, that. Right? Didn't do my homework last <laughs> week. Or, or let me get your homework so I could copy that thing. <laughs> well, when it comes to these Denver Broncos, man, they uh, they better do their homework. And I think they are. I think they are doing their homework. The problem, not the problem. Well, the problem in week one was their head coach... Got him behind the eight ball right off the bat with that uh, surprise onside kick. Now, I've been thinking about this onside kick, and I'm listening to the guys discuss it and, you know, give their sides of it. Stoke liked it. Zach didn't. D-Mac loved it. Matt Smith hated it. You liked it. I didn't. You didn't like the outcome, of course. But you yeah, liked- yeah, I don't like the outcome, but I, I, I like the fact that that was shown. I don't like the fact that you kind of took a really big gamble and put your defense in a bad position. It's a tough, it's a tough play to I want to be on both sides. Work. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's a tough play to work. I mean, I've been I've been on that I've done that play before. I'm on both sides of it. It, it has to go just right for that to happen. It didn't go right and um, the result was handing the ball to the Raiders on the 44-yard line with a short field to go to, for a touchdown. Now they got a Justin Simmons penalty on that. It just kind of things went off the rails. A little quickly there, and I know they came back and took the lead at halftime. But um, I'm trying to figure out, like, when when Sean Payne's conceiving of this idea, right? He's thinking, all right, we're going to do this. And, and to me, the reason why he wants to do this is because he's trying to teach his team how to play with an edge that they have not been able to play with. And they weren't able to play with in that game. Not only did they not successfully complete that play, but then they played – very conservatively on offense, and a lot of it was play calling, but weren't able to make a play or, or play with the type of edge that wins ball games like that. Is Sean Payton rusty? Maybe a little bit. You know, spent a year in the booth last year. You're back out here calling games. You, no matter what, preseason, it's, it's a vanilla offense that you're putting out there. You're trying not to show anything. So is Sean Payton rusty, and does he get a buffer because of that rust? Does he get a pass? Does he, yeah. I give him a little bit of a pass because all the must-win chatter last week, as much as it sucks to lose to the Raiders in game one, it, it wasn't a must-win. They're 0-1. They have 16 games left. Each game is an opportunity to turn it around and change the narrative. They beat the Commanders. They're 1-1. We're feeling really good. Yeah. And also, the Chiefs are 0-1. The Chargers are 0-1. The Raiders are alone at, at the top of this division. We know what's going to happen to the Raiders eventually. Yeah. So, right? But, Nate, I don't give them a pass. I can't. Not in the game of football. Mm. Because if everybody gets a my bad coach, that's 21 my bads on offense and defense. 22, sorry. So if the head ball coach gets a my bad, that's why true. does the player not get a my bad? 
So why do we sit here and talk about Justin Simmons getting a personal foul? Why do we sit here and talk about, you know, KJAC getting his? Probably got a FedEx, probably a FedEx coming tomorrow too with mm. that one, right? So you got a problem with that play, KJ? No, I don't. Me neither. You're trying to stop him in your tracks. You got to go make that play. Yeah. And it's bang, bang. Yeah. You know, KJAC, that's how he plays. He plays with violence. That's I why love the way he that's plays. That's why he's kept here too. Exactly. To do exactly that. So the people that I saw on, on Twitter and whatnot, like, you know, Blowing him up, saying you got to know better than that. He can't be doing that. And like, what are you talking about? You got to sell out and give everything that you have. And then, you know, the, the whole, especially now nowadays that I'm doing college football and calling games, it's so hard. Leading with the crown of your helmet, okay, but this stuff happens in real time. Yeah. What are you thinking? Oh, let me go in here with my shoulder. Well, what if you're not adjusted the right way? You're not going to make that tackle. Yep. You could actually bounce off that person if you're just trying to go in there with your shoulder. So I say to the people that are on KJAC, there's a reason why you guys are at home. There's a reason why he's a professional athlete. And if you've never done it at that level, please don't comment about it because it is really hard to stop. I've, I've had plays where I've hurt the team where it's a late hit, where it's just me hustling down the field and, and trying – and expecting my running back to break that tackle. So I'm going to go lay out the next person that's coming, right, and just keep on playing until the whistle. Um, Kareem was playing in the whistle, and guess what? He's trying to make a huge play on third down to, to get a stop to get the ball back to the offense, and it just so happened that, you know, bad things happened with, on that play. So for me, you know, I give Kareem Jackson more of a pass than Sean Payton. Mm. Yeah, it just so happens, like, your head is on the end of your body, and when you're running at full speed, your body's leaning forward, so that head is the tip of the spear. And if you, like you said, pick a side and try to hit him with your shoulder, you might pick the wrong side, he bounces right off you. The, 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 your, your helmet is the most effective weapon on your body, and you're trying to bring down a larger man. And for Kareem Jackson, every man he brings down is a larger man. Yeah. He's the smallest guy out there. He has to use the most potent weapon on his body, and that's his head. Unfortunately, that's just the way the game goes. You hand us these helmets, we're going to use them. Yeah, and the game of football has changed so much on the perimeter, right? I mean, you're only allowed to cut in the tackle box. Kareem Jackson has to come and show and fill in the box and, you know, show outside on certain plays. And, you know, offensive linemen now know that these corners and DBs are not allowed to cut them. They got to stay up on them. Yeah. If I'm an offensive lineman, every single time I get to the perimeter, I see a little DB. You're going to feel this hit come tomorrow that I'm getting ready to put on you because I know that you cannot cut me. Mm. I am selling out. I'm trying to leave my feet. I'm going for the big hit every single time. Look at me, coach. Uh, from the RamosLaw.com text line, if you're known for an onside kick in the Super Bowl, you don't do it in your first game back. Coach Payton looks like he hadn't grown with a game while he was away from it. That's from HG in L-Town. That's a good point. So for all the people who are like, oh, yeah, you want to put it on tape so they know that he'll do it, we already know. He did it on the biggest stage. It turned the game. You, you're known as the surprise onside kick guy, dude. So... I think that he was trying to teach his players how to play with an edge, how to take chances, how to go for it. And and uh, essentially... I get that, but it, there's so many other things that are wrong with it. You oh, I'm, agree- I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> yeah. Because, because I don't like that play. I mean, I've, been, like I t- I've talked about it a lot. I've been on the front line of a kickoff return. So you're, you're co- coaching, and there's five guys up there, okay? Your coaching point is to watch the ball off the tee, but then you got to sprint back 25 yards, wheel around, and get ready to block your assignment. Now... 
based on who that blocking assignment is for me, what's been happening on their kickoff, what your kicker's leg is like, that's when I start to bail out early because I'm afraid of you covering the kick because you're an animal mm-hmm. and you've been doing it all day and you've been getting to the kick returner. And so I'm scared of your attack. So that's why I'm bailing out early, not because I'm worried about the onside necessarily. I'm worried about you getting down and beating me as your blocker. Yeah. And once that happens a couple of times, then you can do the surprise onside because you see guys bailing out early. Uh, so when you do it on the first play of the first game, there are no tendencies yet. There is no advantage yet. And uh, it backfired spectacularly. But we move on. Broncos 0-1. The Broncos wideouts, though, where were they? Where were they in that game? Most of the uh, throws going to the tight ends and the running backs, wide receivers, Cortland Sutton had a touchdown. But other than that, they were absent. How are we going to get that changed? That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Does that sound the same? Is that the same? You nailed it, dog. Slightly stupid. Proteges of Sublime. And here we are on a Sublime Tuesday. Beautiful day out there, Denver, Colorado. Got a little rain yesterday and, uh, it's crisped up the air a little bit. It's quite nice. A little chilly even last night, dare say. Anybody turn on their heater last night? I didn't. I didn't either. But I we thought, actually talked about it. Thought about it, right? Yeah. Thought about it. Almost heater time. Not quite yet. All right, the Denver Broncos managed 16 points against the lowly Raider defense. Bad defense. Bad NFL defense last year. And the Raiders, or the Niners... <laughs> Broncos weren't able to put up any points. Russell Wilson did go 27 of 34. Really good completion percentage. Um, but most of those completions went to running backs and tight ends. Cortland Sutton as a receiver had four for 32 yards, which is eight yards per catch. Brandon Johnson had two for 31. Uh, his long of 21, so his other one was 10 yards. Little Jordan Humphrey had two for 11. He had a nice touchdown in the back of the end zone there, which was pretty awesome. He wasn't the first read. He stayed alive. Uh, and was able to toe-tap that thing. Little Jordan Humphrey, really one of the bright spots of camp, and uh, has found his way onto the active roster, found his way into the 45-man game day roster, and found his way into the end zone in his first game. So pretty awesome for L.J. Humphrey. Marvin Mims, two catches for nine yards. But the receivers were largely non-existent. And um, I want to know why you think that is. I think, you know, hats off to the Raiders, being a team that just said, hey, you know what? We look in this wide receiver room. We look at kind of last year what Russell Wilson did, and we're not afraid of any of it. So we're just going to sit here and say, you guys can't beat us. We're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to come up and rally to the football and make tackles. So I think a lot of it's game plan, being in that cover two, not allowing the offense to get behind you. And thinking that we're going to be relentless enough in our pass rush and, and put stress on Russ with four. So I think it was a good game plan defensively for the Raiders to take away these wide receivers of the Broncos. Yeah, I think it was a good game plan by the Raiders. And clearly, it, 
whether it was coincidence or not, the Raiders' game plan meshed perfectly with the reclamation project of Russell Wilson and allowed him to do all these things he was being coached to do. Actually forced him to do all the things he was being coached to do. To take the quick throw, to take the underneath thing, to do the to do the thing that's obvious that's right in front of you, to do what we coach you to do, to work with the system. Nah, that, he did that. that uh, so Raiders did a good job of understanding the psyche, too, yeah. of the situation. And you know what? Russell forgot how to cook, man. You remember before it was Russell trying to make off-schedule plays, throwing the ball down the field, taking chances, believe it, believe it, believe it. Yeah. We need some of that, Russell, don't we? Because otherwise we're going to see that. We're going to see... Four, five yards per completion. We're going to see 27 to 34 for under 200 yards. We're going to see very few points on the board unless they push the ball down the field. Well, you hear Sean Payton being kind of happy and, and okay with Russell Wilson's decision. Even the, even those 17 of those passes were to wide receivers or tight ends and running backs, right? So, you know, do you want the quarterback that's going to go off schedule and kind of push back on the, the head coach? Because... I think Sean Payton believes with what Russell Wilson did the other day was good enough to win. Now, do I think he wants more plays from the wide receiver room? Yeah, get open faster, right? Uh, Get open in Russell Wilson's timing of the play. And if you're not able to do those things, well, yeah, Russ, you got to dump it off. And I'm okay with that decision. So I, I think that you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, you want Russell Wilson to have that magic and push the ball down the field, but at the same time, you know, a lot of it last year, I believe that Russ kind of was doing his own thing and telling coach that this is the way that I want to play and, you know, this is how we're going to be successful. Now we got the adult in the room. So how are we going to go after one game and be looking in a different direction with the adult in the room being happy with Russell Wilson's decision-making? Yeah, um, it, it's hard because you've been trying to coach Russell into a different form of football, and you've done that, and that's what you saw. You saw Russell executing what he was asked to do. He did it well, um, and it resulted in very few big plays, very few explosives, very few points. And so if I'm Sean Payton, I have to press the ball. Down. Like He did the surprise onside. That's as risky as it comes. So why not press the ball down the field? You have to dial up passes that actually push the ball down the field, intermediate passing routes. Deep. Go deep. Just throw it deep. Now he threw one to Philip Dorsett. Philip Dorsett lost the feel of where he was and stepped out of bounds. That was going to be a big play, probably the biggest play of the game. Um, and he wasn't able to do that. But, man, you got to press the ball down the field. And, you know, I heard the boys this morning talking about double moves. Stink was wrong. He said you can't run double moves on an off corner. That's exactly what you do. You hit them with the underneath stuff first. You hit them with the hitches, the, the smokes, the quick stuff. Then they start breaking on that stuff. And then... You hit him with a double move, and you run right by him. None of that. We didn't see any of that. You lost well, the chess match. But why not take? Why not use what Russell's good at? His deep ball. He, he has a good arm. He throws the best deep ball in the league, remember? I think because they weren't able to get them out of a cover two show. I think they weren't able to... Run that seam down the middle of the field. Yeah, run it middle of the field open, right? Yeah. At that point. It's money, baby. Um, well, Greg Dulcich, I think that would have been a part of the plan, but mm. I think Greg Dulcich getting hurt um, right before the halftime, that kind of limited that. You know, that That's constantly what this is, right? It's a reactive sport. Okay, they're doing this. We got to go to this. I think had Dulcich still been up and active, yeah, I, I believe they would have got that. But now, if you're Sean Payton, you got to figure out ways to get other guys out there. 
Do I think that Adam Trapman, you're going to run him down the middle of the field? Hell no. Do I think that you're going to do that with... Um, but why not? You just talked about earlier Nate Atkins finding the vision and the uh, feel. and like uh, Why can't you run down the middle of the field? I think that with Adam Troutman, I don't think his body type says that this is a good guy to run down the middle of the field. Just basically on what we saw when he got the ball in certain situations. I don't think he has enough speed to get down the middle of the field to stress out those two safeties back there in a cover two show. So now it goes to who's going to do it? Is Kareem, is, uh, Cortland Sutton going to do it for you? Is little Jordan Humphreys going to do it? Is it going to be Marvin Mims? Do you find a way to yeah, you know, yeah, design yeah. and create and, and something where, you know, short motion with Marvin Mims and, and have him in, in that nasty split a couple yards away from the tackle. And now he's running like a skinny post in the middle of that field to stress out a defense. Now that's why this week is so important because it's a, such a copycat league. You're going to get a lot of cover, too, this week. Yeah. You're going to get that. What's your adjustment, Sean Payton? Because mm. you have to find ways to stress those guys out and find a guy that could do it with speed. Like, it's not enough to go out there and just be running the route. No, you're running that route believing that you're getting the football, making that defense believe that you're going to get the football. And that's how you get them out of different things. And, and now you're able to say, okay, now we could th- start throwing the moon ball, and and now we could start taking advantage of the the um, sidelines and Russell Wilson, you know, cooking. But last week, they, that's why I'd say, you know, Sean Payton has a bigger hand on this loss than anything because he was out coached, in my opinion. I'm waiting for these things, Nate. I agree with you, Nate. I think that these things are going to be great for the Broncos, Nate. But does Sean Payton think that? Well, we're fixing to find out this week because I promise you the commanders are coming in here saying that we're going to have the same game plan defensively as the same old Broncos. They're scoring in the teens, and we're going to be fine. And their kicker sucks. So as long as we hold them, you know, go ahead, have five yards, four yards of play. Go ahead, get a couple first downs. We're, we're, we're expecting you to stall and then miss a kick or stall and make a kick, whatever. Um, but do that every other time you score 12 points, we can beat you. That's what they're going to think, right? So the Broncos have to find a way to, A, break tackles when they catch the underneath passes and turn five-yard gains into 15-yard gains and first downs and then work the middle of the field with some intermediate and deep routes. Absolutely have to press it. Sean Payton loves putting things on film, so you have to respect it. That's what it, that's what that accounts for. Taking a shot in the first couple of plays, you have to respect it. Now it doesn't matter if we complete it or not. We're making you consider it, and that's going to leave stuff a li- little more open underneath. And that might be the difference between a missed tackle and a made tackle on your part, and a you know five yard gain and a touchdown. So anyway, hope, hopefully the Broncos can get more dynamic in the passing game and get these receivers involved because. A lot of times it's not their fault. They can only run what they're what they're told to run, and it wasn't a lot of deep routes. It wasn't a lot of intermediate routes. It was a lot of short underneath stuff, and they weren't able to break tackles. That's why nothing happened. All right, it's the fan war room time, guys. It's that time of year, Thursday at noon with Stoke, James Merrillat, No Sean Moreno, myself, and Cecil Lammy. But first, we have a fifty dollar gift card to Brothers Barbecue. Right now, we're giving it away to caller four. Pick up that phone, 303-713-1043 for the Brothers Barbecue $50 gift card. Again, caller number four right now, 303-713-1043. Win yourself a $50 gift card to Delicious Brothers Barbecue. Handy Andy Mason joins us next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson.
Hey, we got Handy, Andy Mason joining us right now. Senior Broncos writer, Andrew Mason, presented by Matthews Fine Watches and Jewelry. Andrew, thanks for joining the program. We always love hearing from you, and I have not heard your opinion on Sean Payton's Onside kick on the first play of the game. You're a special teams aficionado. You've been following this league uh, very closely, and not just offense and defense, but special teams and the implications on the team and on the game. What were your thoughts on that opening play onside? It was a calculated gamble, and I I love the gamble just because it it didn't work out, didn't mean it wasn't uh, well thought out. Josie Jewell was talking about this yesterday, said that they spotted uh, one of the Raiders' Uh, heading heading back to block a little bit more quickly uh, than, than you'd expect, and thought there was going to be that space right there to get the to get the onside kickoff. Obviously, the risk of penalty is part of the equation, but I thought it I, I thought it was a pretty sound gamble, and uh, it's not for you know being a half yard or you know or or ten inches or whatever on the side of the uh, on the side of the forty five yard line. You're talking about the Broncos getting off to a massive start to the season. So uh, even just because a gamble doesn't work doesn't mean it wasn't worth taking. Mace, those press boxes tend to be way up when you go to the stadium. You're at the game. Um, just kind of tell us what you saw with this offense. Uh, Greg Dulcich is hurt now. Wide receivers just not really active. A lot of balls going to tight ends and running backs. Some people might say it's the same old Broncos, but what did you see? As far as these guys running routes and just open and, and just overall opinion on Russell Wilson after week one, I mean, I thought Russell Wilson made a lot of good decisions in the game, and I thought he he took, generally speaking, what the Raiders were giving him. He didn't try to he didn't try to force it. They were con- they were conceding some of the un- underneath stuff. So I like that aspect of it. The, the concern that you have, though. And this, look, this is probably going to be more of a dink and dunk its way down the field type of offense, which can work. But the thing is, for it to have some, to have explosive plays like you prefer, you're going to have to have, to be able to accumulate more yardage after the catch, more yardage after, after contact, after that first, after that first tackle attempt. You're going to have to have that elusive capability. And that's where you start getting concerned about the number of playmakers on offense. You remove Greg Dulcich from the equation, you remove a guy who can make that first player uh, miss in the open field and get an explosive play. You uh, you know you, you don't have Jerry Judy that takes that element out of it as well. They tried to involve Jaleel McLaughlin briefly in the second quarter. The blocking kind of broke down, and his plays were, were DOA. But if this th- if this offense is going to have explosive plays. It's probably going to come less from vertical shots down the field, and it's going to have to come more from adding yardage after the catch and after contact. And that's where you wonder if the Broncos have enough explosive players to do that just yet. Okay, Andrew, Russell Wilson was the fastest quarterback ever to 100 wins. Since he's been here, he's 4-12 and 12 as a starter. The year before that, he was 6-8. and eight. The question needs to be asked, has Russell Wilson lost his winning edge, or is it just lying dormant? Uh, I think it's lying dormant. I mean, look, uh, did, I mean, just to kind of go back uh, to Sean Payton's history, uh, there were three consecutive seasons for the Saints with Drew Brees' startup. They were seven and nine each time, and then they got they got things right. They they bolstered the roster, 
and went and Breeze and company went back to their winning ways. So I think it's more dormant and it can be tapped into. Look, I thought Russell Wilson did far more positively than negatively in the game and helped keep the Broncos uh, in it by and large. He wasn't perfect, but he made a lot of good decisions and made sure that the offense generally stayed on schedule. Mesa, the Broncos in trouble. You just talked about the playmakers down the field, and you know a lot of times on Sunday didn't see the Broncos be able to generate pressure with four guys up front. Are the Broncos in trouble, or can what you see be rectified moving forward? Well, I think uh, you mentioned you know you kind of refer to the pass rush there, and um, I do think the pass rush will probably look a bit more successful next Sunday against Washington when you have a quarterback who tends to hold the ball a little bit longer, tries to buy time in the backfield, dart around, hang on to it, play a little hero ball, trying to make some things happen. It was uniquely working against the Broncos' pass rush on Sunday that you had a rhythm and timing passer like Jimmy Garoppolo. But at the same time, against a rhythm and timing passer who's going to get the ball out quickly, you need more of an interior rush than the Broncos were able to generate. Like That's part and parcel of the... You know, the, the Josh McDaniels offense is usually getting that ball out in a hurry. And typically over the years, we've seen that the interior pass rush is often as important, if not more important, to getting pressure when the ball's coming out quickly. And that wasn't there to the level that it needed to be on Sunday. So the Broncos are going to have to get that going, as well as get, get, get the guys going on the edge. Frankly, I'm a little more concerned about the defense right now than the offense because defense gave up. 3.4 points per non-kneel down possession. And if you've got a typical game with, with 10 possessions, that's 34 points. That's concerning. All right, let's talk about special teams for a minute. So when I was playing for the 49ers, I got traded here. I never used to wear gloves at all. Um, uh, in college, I didn't wear gloves. When I was with the 49ers, I didn't wear gloves as a receiver. I got here, and the ball started jumping on me more, and it was drier, and started slipping through my hands, and I needed to get gloves. I got gloves and never took them off after that. Notoriously, the air is thinner here. The ball travels differently here, okay? Kickers want to kick here because you can kick further. But my question for you, Andrew, is is Will Lutz's struggles right now a product of him being new to this climate and environment and not really understanding how the ball is going to jump off his foot? And can we expect him to get better as he gets more acclimated to the climate? Well, I can't answer that right now. Um, can you do it later? I, well, let's, yeah, let's let the sample size get a little bit bigger than than four place kicks. That's the thing. Like when you're ask, when you're asking that, in my mind, I'm thinking uh, it's probably not wise to jump to a conclusion after four place kick attempts. So, and I know everyone wants to answer right now. I'd say just kind of wait and see there. I guess what I'm getting at, Andrew, is. Is Will Lutz going to be okay? Is he going to figure it out? I guess you're also going to say the same thing. we we got to wait and see. You, you have to. I mean, I, I, look, and this is, this is where kind of uh, different sports result in different, uh, in different mindsets. In baseball, for example, you get the broad sample size to be able to sit back and then, uh, and then, and then accumulate a lot of data and really know what you're dealing with. Unfortunately, football is a smaller sample size sport, so you don't necessarily get that. And so everyone's looking at this game and seeing, you know, the, the missed PAT, the long, the, the miss from 55 yards. I mean, 55 yards, you're talking about a 50-50 proposition, right? He struck the ball pretty well, got a lot of distance on it. It just missed. So, yeah, I'm, 
I'm not I'm not jumping to conclusions. I don't think Sean Payton's going to jump to conclusions either. And don't forget, like Sean Payton, his sample size on Will Lutz is five years of generally outstanding work as a kicker. Of course, now this is the second year after he had that core muscle injury, and last year was the worst of his career. So I think that's where concern that concern understandably lies right now. But um, yeah, let's see what this looks like in a week or two before we start jumping into conclusions on this. All right, Andrew, thanks for joining us, buddy. You go have yourself a great day. Thanks, Mason. No problem, fellas. Take care. There he goes, Andrew Mason, senior Broncos writer. Uh, thanks to Matthews, fine watches and jewelry. Yeah, the Broncos are one of only four teams to have missed a field goal in week one. Uh, the other team were the Rams, and they have another former Broncos kicker, Brett Maher. So, look, it, it seems as if the Broncos have a winning problem. Uh, they're on the doorstep. I heard them talking about this this morning. Since 2015 or 16, 35 losses in one-score games. How do you turn that around? How do you teach a team how to win? That's next. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents The Players Club with Orlando Franklin, Chad Brown, and Nate Jackson. Tuesday, Players Day off in the NFL. Go take care of some business. Maybe go to the mall, buy yourself a couch. Treat yourself Tuesday, a little sad and upset, depressed. Right. Maybe buy yourself something nice. Is that what you used to do on a Tuesday? Yeah, when I got to the Chargers, absolutely. Not here? Uh, No, football was really fun here. Four years in a row, AFC West champs. Four years in a row, at least it's the second round of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, well, football's easy, man. Football was NFL's. easy and fun. Wow. Um, but yeah, players day off, man. Got to do that rehab, get the body right, right? Mm. You got to be thinking that people probably are a lot of, what do you think, probably about 50% of the teams at the facility today at some point? Maybe so. Like, as the season goes on, they get more banged up. Were you a guy that just... I'll, I'm not going in on Tuesday. You're not going in on Tuesday. Not unless I have a, an injury to treat. Yeah. If I'm feeling good, man, no, that's my that's my that's me day. Yeah, that's my day to like try to get my mind off the sport, to do something else other than football, to feel like a human being. Yeah, you know, to have some autonomy, to not be on a schedule, to not hear coaches doing this. Hey, get your head out of here. You know. Yeah. I don't want that every day. So I would always go in on Tuesday, no matter what. And, and hey, Coach, was, I'm here. No, Is there any extra filmmaker watch? Didn't even talk to coaches. Went in on Tuesday, ice tub, uh, contrast, you know, do some rehab stuff. I, I would want to Contrast, go, you mean ice tub to hot tub, the ice tub to hot tub. Yes, sir. Uh, do a little bit of a... Uh, Shrink, grow. Wanting, Shrink, grow. <laughs> I wanted to get into the weight room, do a little bit extra conditioning, and especially earlier parts of the season just to make sure that I was ready for the long, grueling part, process of a season. And, and I would get to the video guys. I wanted extra film. I wanted different things that they could pull up. Can I, can I if there's a new player that I'm going against that week, can we get some college tape on him? You know, I was constantly trying to get ahead. And, and full, on Tuesdays, for me, I would try to get through at least three games of the opponent that I was playing against. So... If I'm playing against, you know, uh, Chase Young this week, right? I want to watch at least three of his games on Tuesday on my day off. And I'll watch another three by the time we play on Sunday. So six total. But 
if it's a new player, you got to go find that guy, right, and get college film or get film from another team that he was on. So constantly talking with uh, the video guys on Tuesday as well. This is going to be a sort of a deep dive question about something you just mentioned. Talking about watching film on an opponent, a specific guy, yeah. trying to get his moves down, figure out what kind of player he is. You you start, the more you film, you watch, you start to get understand what he likes to do in certain situations and how he likes to approach trying to beat you, right? Yeah. When you step to the line of scrimmage in the game, is that is that knowledge, that information been internalized to the point you don't have to think about it, you're just reacting to what he's doing, or are you in your mind saying, watch for the swim, watch for the this, watch for the that? Yeah, so by the time I'm going into a game, like by Saturday night, I, I knew that on third down this was this guy's go-to move. If he felt more comfortable with the rip, when did that rip come? Is he a timing guy or is he a reactive reaction guy? And um, I would have a great grasp of the whole entire thing. So now it's third and seven. Okay, boom. You know, Justin Houston. Justin's going to try to go speed to power. So I'm going to force him, but I'm going to bait him for that, right? I'm going to come off the ball a little bit slower. And I'm going to now bear down for the power and I'm going to take the fight to him. Or, you know, I'm going to play on the line of scrimmage. So it's constantly trying to figure out that game within a game. But by the time Saturday night rolled around, Nate, I was, I was sleeping pretty. Because I, I already had, you know, watched enough tape on this guy. I've worked with Vaughn, D-Ware, Elvis Dumerville, worked on this guy's specific moves when we were going good on good. And I was sleeping like a baby, getting my, my full nine hours before the game, my, my usual. That full nine? Yeah. Waking up just ready to ready to kill. Yeah. Let's go putting the women and children in bed and go looking for dinner. Yes, sir. Um, so Sean Payton took over a, a bad football team. This team has been bad for a while now. Um, and the, the the danger there is when you have five, six straight losing seasons, you, you have a room full of guys who just know how to lose. They're used to losing. And the close games, they think, oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead and take it. We don't know how to take it. And that's what Sean Payton's trying to fix. And I think that's probably sort of why he did that onside kick uh, to get that kind of edge going, the killer mentality. But how do you teach someone, Orlando, how to win? Do you show them cut-ups of your old team winning? Do you give them speeches? Do you bring in guests to talk to them? Do you give them practice situations? I think because of how bad it's been for the Denver Broncos, it's going to have to start with coaching. It's going to have to start with how Sean Payton and his offensive staff dissects the commander's defense and figure out such a great call, a great moment where, man, we just put the women and children to bed at that moment, right? For dinner. Where it's just done. Like, hey, you had an opportunity right here, and there's no coming back from this. We just gave them the dagger. I think it's going to start with coaching because of how long it's been. There's a lot of guys. Justin Simmons doesn't know what it's like to win. He's never done it in the NFL, right? And he's the longest-tenured Bronco. So I think where the Broncos are at right now, it's going to take a call, a scheme from the coaches to first, you know, scratch that surface of winning. And then you start believing. You start thinking as a player, like, man, we just pulled that off. Okay, this is how we pulled it off. And now you start stacking days after that. And before you know it, you win a couple and your whole you know, mindset of what you think you are as a football team, that has changed. It's a tricky one because how do you teach someone to do something that you can't do yourself? Coaches cannot be out there with them. they got to cut them loose, and those players have to do something together, cross a threshold together, win a close game together. 
And look, we just saw it a couple days ago. You fixed Russ. Okay, you taught him how to run your system. You taught him how to take all the checkdowns. You taught him how to run, operate the quick pass game. You taught him how to give him, take everything they gave. But now you have to unleash Russ's magic. You have to connect the system and the underneath stuff to the, the thing that made Russell special his whole career. And it wasn't that. It wasn't that. It was making something special happen. It was leading a fourth quarter comeback. It was leading a team to victory. Russell has to ignite this team with a winning drive. Where's where's our Tyler Lockett? Where's Marvin our Mims Jr. Where's our um you know DK Tate? Gor- Gor- no, I'm son. talking about these guys that just when they the play breaks down and Russ is creating, where's that guy that is special that's gonna take the top off the defense? Corlin Sutton, Marvin Mims. Okay. Let's see it. I'm hoping that we do because Russ showed me that he could extend the pocket still. He could still extend Absolutely. the play. So, yes. um, or is Cortland now going deep? Is Cortland getting behind that defense? Is Marvin Mims getting, going deep, getting behind the defense? Because that's where those moon balls came from, right? That's where it became really special. Are all of these guys now running a 15-yard end cut and now trying to come downhill back to the ball? Well, it depends and on now, the play. Now it turns into a check down. So I think there's a happy balance that we have to find. I'm, I'm with you, Nate. I'm not disagreeing. No, 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 no. I was I, trying to wrap my mind around the scenario you just laid okay. out with so, a 15-yard. So, okay, when you have a play breakdown, right, and right. it doesn't come in time, and are these guys' mindset go deep, or is it come back to the football? Everybody's got to be different out there. Somebody's got to go deep. Someone's got to back to the football. Someone's got to give them a throw on the sideline. That's why you practice that stuff. But it just there's a magic to it that needs to happen in the game. Yeah. It's not all about the scheme. It's not all about the drills. It's not all about the practice. It's about what Dion said. Believe it. And it is what Russell's always said. Believe it. you got to find the balance between the system and belief. That's what we do here on the Players Club. Fun show, Orlando. Stick around. Stokely and Zach, they're next.